Hey everyone, it's Stephanie from True Crime Anonymous. I just want to tell you about this app called Anchor. If you haven't heard about Anchor, it is the easiest way to make a podcast. Let me explain. It is free. There are creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. Anchor will distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many more. You can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership, and it is everything you need in a podcast in one place. Download the free Anchor app today or go to anchor.fm to get started. True Crime Anonymous may not be suitable for all listeners. Listener discretion is advised. Hey everybody, welcome back to True Crime Anonymous. I am Stephanie and I will be your host. Today I'm going to be telling you the story of Matthew and Mary Winkler. We're going to start off with Mary. Mary Winkler was born Mary Carol Freeman on December 10th, 1973 in Guys, Tennessee to parents Mary Nell Freeman and Clark Freeman. Mary's mother was a teacher and her father was in real estate. And he was in charge of the whole household. And Mary's childhood was very, very strict. The rules were made to be followed, and that was that. You were to do just as he said. But Mary actually didn't even mind. She was a quiet child, committed to everything she did, and she was a great daughter. She aimed to please, and she did. She also grew up in a very religious, strict Christian household. But still, Mary loved everything and everyone in her life. She just wanted to help others. And she had really wanted to help special needs children. And because of her career, and because her career options were sort of limited because of her religious and strict upbringing, she decided she would go to college for teaching. Her other options were to be a wife or a mother, and she hadn't even really ever had a boyfriend yet, so those options weren't even options yet. Mary attended the Fried Hardman University for college. <clears throat> she this was like no ordinary college though. It was a Christian college naturally, but in this college there was no partying, no dances, no touching, no kissing, no alcohol, basically no fun. They did, however, party hard at the weekly overnight Sunday school. 
Just kidding. They did have overnight Sunday school, though. But I don't think they partied. Not like party party. Maybe like cookies and tea. Anyway, in 1995, somehow, without being able to really have any fun or talk to boys or do anything she actually meets a dude and his name is Matthew Winkler he was a bible study major he had a similar upbringing as Mary as well Uh, his father was a minister and he was striving to become a fifth generation minister as well he was really compelled to be like his dad and their family was well respected and mary fell for him and his way of life his faith was a big turn on for her or should i say his faith was appealing to her <laughs> i don't know if it was a turn on or not but it just didn't sound right <laughs> So Mary brought Matthew home to her parents and of course they fell in love with him. They had no objection to them getting married even though they've only been talking for like three months. He had church credentials. He was handsome and charismatic and Matthew and Mary and their families thought it was a match made in heaven in October 1995 after just three months of dating they were married that's a little soon no uh, I you don't really know anyone after three months anyone like I've known people way longer than that that I thought I knew, but I didn't. But hey, what could go wrong? After about a year, the honeymoon phase was over. Huh. Who would have thunk? Apparently, Matthew started becoming verbally demeaning, saying things like, The fucking house is a mess. And you look fat in those jeans. Just really jerky things to say. I, I, no. Oh, hell no. Nope. Uh -uh. (laughs) Uh-uh. That, that shit don't fly. But whatever, she was expected to be perfect. She had to maintain a perfect image to everyone. She couldn't even make a purchase without his approval. All finances had to be handled by him or approved by him. He had also cut her off from her family as well. Despite all these problems, the couple just carries on. You know, once you're married, you're married. And 
Good, bad, ugly, right? In 1999, Mary and Matthew are expecting their second child at this point. He was a youth minister and everyone really worshipped Matthew. Everything was perfect from the outside. But as we are learning through listening to all these true crime episodes... Everything is not as it seems. Matthew was described as being rigid and even was witnessed yelling at neighbors and his and like the neighborhood kids and um just when Matthew was in a room with Mary, she would just like look at the floor. But still with these things they carry on. A few years go by. Matthew rises through the church. I don't really know um, what levels there are to go through with the ministries and all of the, that stuff. So, um, basically, like, he was being promoted and promoted and stuff like that. Um and Mary is still to be seen and not heard. Matthew now really had a short fuse. And at this point was allegedly roughing her up. She had been seen by her family and friends with bruises. He would push her and shove her, and there was nothing in her mind that she could do about it. She felt trapped, and all she could do was pray. Now, in 2005, things might be looking up. Matthew had a new job, the job that he has always wanted, and they moved to Selmer, Tennessee to be closer to his new church. Maybe, just maybe, things would be good. Baby number three is now on the way, which would probably mean that their already ridiculously tight finances would be getting tighter. And because of that, Mary doesn't really know what to do you know so she starts filling out like sweepstakes of all sorts like pub publishers clearinghouse and I don't know what other ones there are but just all these different sweepstakes um, entering to win money because she's just hoping praying for something and She also tries to get a teaching job, but for now, Matthew, the new preacher, is like a local celebrity. Everyone in the church loved Matthew so much, and vice versa. They loved the whole family, the kids, Mary, Matthew. They just, they were the perfect family. Things 
looked just lovely from the outside. But their finances are really, really tight. They are living check to check and not even check to check. <clears throat> They're really not making it. Mary substitutes at schools periodically, but it's just not enough. But right before Christmas in 2005, Mary starts getting checks in the mail. She must have won in one of those sweepstakes. Mary thanks God and deposits the check and sends the cost of the processing fee to wherever it said to. But surprise! It's a fraudulent check. And before Mary knew it, she was caught up in a Nigerian check scam. And now she's so far in over her head, it's a little ridiculous. But Mary and Matthew have a joint bank account, and if he found out what was going on, she'd be in huge huge trouble she didn't even want to think about the trouble she'd be in if he found out how negative their account was i don't know how he didn't find out when he was the one who handled the finances so it just doesn't make sense to me <clears throat> so because the account is negative mary goes to neighboring towns and opens up a few different bank accounts uh, with just her name with a P.O. box for an address and she starts check kiting so check kiting is like writing a check and depositing deposited it Jesus Christ depositing it into another bank account to deal with that negative balance and it just keeps going and going it's it's a it's not good and Matthew really just had no idea how much financial trouble they were actually in and he could not find out. She was the preacher's wife. You just can't have these problems. It could ruin his reputation and even his career. He had just gotten the position of senior minister at their church in Selmer, Tennessee. He was just known to work so well with the seniors and even the children of the church. They had described him as dynamic and charismatic. On March 21st, 
2006, Mary was nervous and very excited for her first day as a full-time teacher. However, her excitement turned to fear and anxiety when the bank kept calling her cell phone. The bank was not happy about all the bad checks that had been coming through. The bank informed Mary that they were, go- they were going to press criminal charges unless her and her husband came into the bank the next day. She tried and tried to make it to where Matthew wouldn't have to come in, but the bank demanded that they both had to be in by the next morning. Even though she was basically shitting herself and full of anxiety, she put on her smile and carried about her day like a good southern woman. But how would she tell him that they were in the negative $19,000? That night, Mary, Matthew, and the three children splurged on a pizza and a DVD and had a nice night as a family to celebrate Mary's new job and Matthew's too. The kids are put to bed and they are arguing back and forth kind of like all night and Mary just wanted Matthew to stop being so mean and just freaking listen to her. following night, Matthew was supposed to be at the church at 6 p.m., but at 6.45 p.m., Matthew was still nowhere. He was always prompt. The church members are getting worried. The preacher, his wife, and kids are all absent. the church members just had a bad feeling. Around 9 p.m., four of the church members decided to go to their home to check on them. But when they pull up, the family van is gone and the house looks eerily quiet. They can see that the TV is on through the window, but no one answers the door. So they go to the back of the house and they are able to find a spare key. As they are walking to the front of the house to open the door, they just had a bad, ominous feeling. Once inside, the house looked normal. However, no one was there. There was no sign of a struggle or burglary or anything. So the four church members decided to split up and one heads to the master bedroom. There, laying on his back in a pool of dried blood, was Matthew, dead from an apparent gunshot wound. They notice that the phone is also disconnected from the wall in the bedroom. They call 911 right away. Police arrive and establish a crime scene. There was no sign of a struggle, nothing had been taken, Matthew's billfold was still even on his dresser. Robbery was not the motive here. 
Now there was a worry of abduction. But Matthew was a large man. If he could be overpowered, what would that mean for Mary and the kids? An Amber Alert was immediately put out and an APB was put out for the family van. APB means All Point Bulletin. Tennessee residents are now so worried at this point. Who would do this to a minister? Selmer, Tennessee was a safe place. Things like that did not happen there. Right away, investigators look closer at the Winkler's marriage and discover their huge financial secret pretty quickly. At this point, she'd written $19,000 in bad checks and their checking account was overdrawn $5,000. How does that even happen? Like, I can't have my bank account negative $10, never mind $5,000, without them coming for me. So, I can only imagine. For days, no one has seen or even heard from Mary or the children. Until a police officer pulls over a van for making an illegal U-turn in Orange Beach, Alabama on March 26, 2006. The officer runs the license plate and discovers it's Mary Winkler's van. He carefully walks up to the car and takes her into his police car and down to the station for questioning. The police are asking questions like, do you know about your husband? And she's giving little info. She doesn't deny anything, is just being really shady. Then she kind of breaks down into tears and says that she just wanted to take the kids to the beach so she could have one last day with them before she went to jail. Surely she'd be back. But she just didn't know when. So she wanted to take them on a little mini vacay to say goodbye. Police continue with the questions. They ask her, did he abuse you? And she replied, quote, not at all. He was a good man, end quote. Matthew's parents arrive in Alabama after the long drive from Tennessee to pick up the three children. It must have been so horrible. Your son was just killed by his wife and you have to drive from Tennessee to Alabama to pick up his three kids and take care of them while you're grieving. I wouldn't be able to do it. I just couldn't. Nope. Mary is then extradited back to Tennessee to be questioned by the police back in Selmer. Again, she starts off very vague, but eventually she lets police she tells police 
that she took the shotgun from the closet and was just using the gun to try and make him listen and make her have and let her let her have a talk with him about the money and stop being so mean but somehow in the midst of the argument the gun just went off she claimed she was completely horrified shocked and panicked she did not mean it after the gun went off matthew fell backward mary dropped the gun immediately and ran over to him she knelt down by his side and wiped the blood from his mouth she said quote i'm so sorry end quote and matthew just said one last final word why 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 did mary shoot her husband was it an accident or was it because she couldn't face him and confess to the financial mess that she had gotten them into or because she wasn't happy and divorce just wasn't an option. Divorce is against church doctrine. Divorced men are not preachers. There are so many whys. And everyone in Tennessee was asking the same thing that Matthew had asked with his last breath. Mary was charged with first degree murder she didn't even have to worry about calling a lawyer because two southern lawyers showed up when she was in jail before the arraignment and offered to take her case for free that's insane because lawyers are ridiculously expensive the public was highly confused Mary and Matthew were perfect, but the public was portraying Mary as a cold-blooded murderer who just killed her husband and went on vacation after, and that's what the prosecution was going with too. Naturally, the media had a wonderful time with this case. There were headlines in newspapers and on the local news like preacher's wife shoots husband, something had to have made her snap, or so many different things. I mean, the media just went crazy, and they were all over this case. I mean, there were, you know, after this was all said and done, I mean, there was an episode of Snapped about it. There were, I think there was like a Dateline thing on it. I mean, if you just YouTube Mary Winkler, you'll see a whole bunch of things because the media was everywhere. This case was just highly reported. Um, so, yeah. Members of his church and people in the community said Matthew was the victim here. Well, obviously. He was the one who was shot and left for dead. 
They described him as meek, mild, and sweet, and that he wouldn't harm a fly. On April 9th, 2007, court started. The jury was made up of 10 women and 2 men, and the defense was hoping that women could relate to Mary somehow and understand how Mary was actually the victim through all of the all of the evidence and talking and testimony everyone was really just waiting for Mary to testify finally the time came for Mary to get on the stand she is quiet and looking down most of the time and crying and very timid and sad then Mary says that Matthew would make her do things that she didn't want to do and they ask her what kind of things Mary puts a 8 inch white platform stripper shoe and a black wig on the edge of the witness stand sort of like right in front of her so you could see you couldn't look at her face without seeing this huge white stripper heel with a big chunky platform and a, and a wig and when she did that the whole courtroom gasps. This is Tennessee. People would tend to be more conservative and horrified at things like that. A respectable woman wouldn't wear something like that. Mary claims Matthew would make her wear the wig and the heels and have sex. And he would force her to perform oral and anal sex watch porn and do other things that she was uncomfortable with she also claimed on the night of the incident their youngest child was crying and Matthew put his hand over the baby's mouth and nose and basically tried to suffocate her Mary told them she would handle the baby that he could go back to sleep but Mary needed to talk and he needed to listen and to stop being so mean but the gun had just went off by accident there were three weeks of testimony and on April 20th 2007 the jury went back and started deliberation Eight hours, eight hours later, the jury came back with a decision. Mary Winkler was guilty of voluntary manslaughter. Mary didn't know what that meant for her and turned to her lawyer and asked if that meant if she was going to be able to get her kids back. It's a win, he replied. You'll have your kids back soon enough.
Mary was incredibly relieved and happy. On June 8, 2007, she was sentenced to 210 days in prison, three years probation. So she had already served that time awaiting trial. She would only actually have to serve another week in jail. And 60 days in a mental health facility. After that, she was a free woman. And in August 2008, she gained full custody back of her three girls. After the trial was over, people who saw her out in the community said she looked worldly and sophisticated. Like she looked like a member of council, like a lawyer. She was observed smiling and laughing out in public. And people felt like she played the victim just for court. Like this was a big show. But I kind of feel like she just felt free. Maybe she like felt suppressed. And like she didn't have her abuser over her head anymore like speaking from experience honestly like probably just felt a weight off of her shoulders and felt free not like I can really like I killed somebody but like I've been in a relationship where um it was unhealthy and controlling and when I was you know when I got out of that relationship I felt happier and I carried myself better and so I get that am I saying she's innocent no am I saying she's guilty no the only person that knows what really happened is Mary Winkler that's it what do you guys think let us know at truecrimeanonymous at yahoo.com or send us a dm on instagram or facebook at truecrimeanonymous and that is our story for today i hope you guys enjoyed and like i always say i hope that this one was better than the last You guys are awesome. Thank you so much for the support. Um, I am really enjoying this. I really enjoy seeing all of the support that you guys are giving me every day. And I get new people all the time every day. More listeners from more places. It's so exciting. And I cannot wait to go on this journey with you guys. And, you know, that's it. Um, Until the next murder, I'm Stephanie and trust no one. Sweet dreams. Good night.